like that song too. Thank you, Amanda and Nick. Thank you, praise team, Brother Shane, instrumentalist, for helping us to be in a mindset this morning that I pray leads into what we're going to see in this morning's text. If you would turn in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 2, we'll pick up where we were, where we left off last week. Today, John is going to talk to us, to teach us, to show us, to remind us about our identity. Now, uh, how many of you in life, as you're going throughout your day, if somebody were to ask you to show some ID, if they said, well, you sh- could you show some ID, what would you pull out, probably? Driver's license, right? Because this, this shows our identity. This is who I am. Zach Kilpatrick, this is my address, this is my height and weight, even though most of us may fudge on the truth of the height and weight just a little bit. I'm a little taller and a little skinnier. This is my identity. Well, today what I want us to talk about a little bit is what I would refer to as our soul's identity. The ID card of our soul is what we're going to be talking about. We've already talked, we've sang today about Christ alone, cornerstone, the weak are made strong in the Savior's love. Right, all we have is because of Christ. We've sang uh, better is one day. I'd rather spend one day with you, Lord, than to have everything else. I'd rather have Jesus than to have everything else. Right, I'm resolved. I'm following Christ. Leave all the rest of it aside. I care about none of it. Give me Christ. I'm resolved. We've already sang these things today. Now we're going to see these things. This is, I believe, John telling us who we are and who we are not. And so I pray as we look at the text this morning, we'll see that. If you haven't been with us for the last few weeks, first of all, welcome. Thank you for being here this morning. But the last few weeks, the the theme statement that John has been using to introduce all these narratives was found in chapter 1, verse 5. He said, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. So that's part of God's identity. God is light. He is perfect. He is righteous. Everything about him is good. There's nothing bad in him at all. So look with me. Beginning in verse 12 of 1 John chapter 2. We'll read verses 12 through 14 for our introduction this morning. John says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong, and the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil. Now here we see John uh, referring and speaking, addressing three different groups of people in the church. He speaks to children or little children. He speaks to fathers and he speaks to young men. Now there's a lot of debate among scholars and pastors about exactly why he addresses the different groups and exactly what each one of them means and what they have in common. But one thing that I know for sure this morning, I don't know exactly why he speaks to the little children and the fathers and the young men differently. I've thoughts, but nothing for sure. But I do know this. As I look at these things that John tells these different groups, 
every one of these things, every one of these statements apply to every Christian. If you are a Christian, if you are saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, reconciled to God by Jesus' death and resurrection, that all of these apply to you. So I want us to look for just a moment. I want you to see each one of the statements. We're going to take out the, the address of each one, and I just want to read the statements themselves. He says, Your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. You know Him who is from the beginning. He says that twice. You have overcome the evil one. He says that twice. You know the Father. You are strong. And the Word of God abides in you. This morning, if you're here and you're a Christian, all of these statements apply to you. Now, to different groups, to people of different age groups, to people that have been members for certain lengths of time, that have known Christ for certain lengths, some of these may apply a little bit more to you than to others. You may understand them a little bit better than others, but all of these things apply to all Christians. Now, all of, I'm not going to spend a lot of time this morning explaining each of these six statements because they are so saturated in biblical truth not only found here in Scripture, but in other places in Scripture, that after we finish 1 John, either on Sunday nights or Sunday mornings, I'm going to do a six-part sermon series, uh, one week explaining each of these from Scripture. We're going to look at each of these statements on their own on a Sunday morning. So this morning, what I want you to know is that these beautiful affirmations apply to you if you are in Christ. If you have faith in Jesus Christ, these apply to you. But then I want us to, to look at this idea. That's something we know about them. But why is John saying this? Right? That's important. The authorial intent. Why did John the author, why did the Holy Spirit inspire John to write this where he wrote this? To write these things to these people in the church. And I believe this morning the reason that he has given us these things is to remind us of our soul's identity. To remind us of our identity. That we are more than what our driver's license says. I believe that John here is telling us, reminding us who we are. That we are truly in Christ. Above all else. That we know the Father and that the Father knows us. That we have overcome Satan, the evil one. That we have overcome sin. That we are made strong because of the Holy Spirit. That the Word of God abides in us. These things tell us who we are. If you're here and you're a Christian, this is who you are. You should embody these biblical truths. These things, your sins are forgiven. For his name's sake. Right? Great reminder. Not who I am, not what I've done, but I am forgiven for his name's sake, for Christ. On his account, I'm forgiven. So I believe that John is reminding the readers of who they truly are at their very core. And if you're a Christian this morning, he should also be reminding you of that. So point one this morning, God's people's identity, God's people's hope, God's people's joy should all be rooted in Jesus. When you think of yourself, when you try to picture, insert your name, I say Zach, when I try to picture Zach, I pray that I don't see the things that other people see, the things that lost people see, right? If you ask some lost people who I am, tell me about 
Zach Kilpatrick, they're probably going to tell you the things that the world looks at. Well, he went to this school. Well, he has this degree. Well, he works here. Well, he drives this vehicle. Well, he dresses in these clothes. Well, he has... They may use these things. But I I want us to be reminded this morning, brothers and sisters, our identity is not wrapped up in our professional title. It's not who you are. You should be the same person that you are now if you had the title and the job that you have or if you didn't. Right? Whether I'm reverend or not does not change my true identity as a child of God in Jesus Christ. Now, I will also go ahead and say I don't like the title reverend that much. It's a completely different sermon. We'll talk about it at a different time. But brothers and sisters, if I was less popular than I am, which is hard to do, I would still be exactly who I am. If I drove something older than what I drive, I would still be who I am. Youth, if your TikTok videos got fewer views and fewer likes, you would still be who you are. It's not where it's found. It's not who you are. It's not about what you wear. It's not about how everybody else thinks about you. Your identity as a Christian is found in Jesus Christ. He is who makes you who you are. Now listen, John's already said a lot this morning. And Brother Dusty during the welcome got more amens than I've already gotten now. Listen, I'm going I'm to cue you here. I'm going to say something and then I'm going to pause. And if you, if you agree with me, you say amen. Listen. Your identity, if you are a Christian, your identity is found in your relationship with Jesus Christ and in your relationship with Jesus Christ alone. Amen. Amen. It is. It's true. We're children of... It's what John John says. Listen, you want to know who you are? I'll tell you who you are. You're a child of God. You are forgiven of your sins by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and your faith in Him. You are forgiven for His name's sake. You have overcome your enemy. You are strong and you live by God's Word. That's who you are. That's the identity card of your soul. If your soul pulled out his driver's license, those are the things that it would say. That's who you are. Not all the things that the world says. Not all those things. That's not who you are. So with that in mind, I want us to look at verse 15, because in verse 15, John has has cued this up. He's really built up to this point. And here in verse 15, he does something that he rarely does in his letters and in his gospel account. John rarely writes commands. But in verse 15, we see a direct command. And so when we see something so out of character for John, we know we should pay attention. Verse 15 Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. He starts out there with the command. He doesn't say, uh, maybe, consider not. He says, do not. It's strong language. It's an imperative. It's a command. It's a teaching. Do not. Christians, right, this is an apostle who's been with Jesus writing to the church. He has authority to teach them and to tell them things. And he says, 
At this point, I'm invoking my authority, and I'm telling you what you don't need to do. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Now, I know when we first hear that, that sounds pretty abrasive. But possibly because we have a misconstrued view of what the world is. Is John telling me not to love lost people? Is John telling me not to love the trees and the nature and all the things that I love seeing? That's what we think of when we think of the world. Is that what John's saying? And that's not what John is saying here. I want to give to you, I don't do this often, but I want to give to you the definition of the Greek word here. Now, I have this on the screens because it's a lengthy definition, and so you may want to read along. Uh, but it says this is the definition of the world, the word he used here, world cosmos. It says the whole circle of earthly goods, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, etc., which although hollow and frail and fleeting, stir desire, seduce from God, and are obstacles to the cause of Christ. Those are the things that John... He's talking about these things. Earthly goods, material possessions, endowments, riches, advantages, pleasures, titles, popularity, celebrity. All of these things. John says, do not love these things. He doesn't say that you can't have them. He doesn't say take, don't take care of the ones that you do have. I don't want you to hear this wrong. He's not saying if you have a house that you shouldn't care for your house. But he's saying that you shouldn't love and cling to your house. This shouldn't be part of your identity, part of what makes you, you. These things shouldn't be idols, is really what John is working toward here. The things of this world, the things that we think make us who we are, the things that sometimes seduce us, make us crave them more than we crave Christ. When we do that, we have stepped across the line. We no longer have possessions. We now have idols. We no longer have endeavors, right? Oh, I just endeavor to know more people. But whenever fame and popularity become the thing, the driving force behind what I do every day, now these things have become idols. And I think it's so important that John... Now, John teaches this to them. Remember, he's teaching people that are dealing with false teachers... He's trying to remind them of truth because they have people that are telling them things that are wrong. And so he's trying to remind them of what's true. But we deal with the same thing. Now, we may not have actual teachers that are coming around and telling us these things. But we all have friends or people that we follow in the media or on social media that are telling us that if you drive this, that you would be better than if you drove this. If you wore these clothes, then you would be better than you are when you're wearing these clothes. If you have this title, that you will be better than if you had this title. If you live in this house, you are better than if you were to have to live in that sort of house. We hear this. We see this. We're inundated with this. And again, I'm not telling you that it's wrong to have a nice car or a nice house or nice clothes. But when you think that you are a better person because you have nice clothes, then you have lost your identity being in Christ and you've started to find your identity in clothes. You have stopped loving Him and pursuing Him and you've started loving and pursuing the things of the world that John says here, do not love. Don't love them, period. He's reminding us 
that we are servants of God, that we are children of God, that this is not our home, that heaven is our home. It makes me think of Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, that many of you have heard before. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. There's a biblical theological identity for Christians. No longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Point two, God's people are not to make idols of the things of this world. We shouldn't make them idols. We shouldn't make them our greatest desire. We should not pursue them with the veracity that we would pursue Christ. We should not love them with the love that we should love only Christ. So then he gives us, thankfully, because I'm telling you, I know that the things of this world are things that we crave. I know that it's hard. It's a lot easier to stand here and say, don't love all of those things than it is to actually live a life where you're not loving those things. So John, in verses 16 and 17, the last two things we'll say, he tells us, he gives us two reasons, two more reasons, not to love the things of the world. So verse 16, he says, For all that's in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. Now, he, he starts out here by telling us, in very strong language the way it's written, that these things aren't even from God. That's a big deal because, right, we talk, we spend a lot of time talking about how everything, God made everything. So the only way that these things would not be from God is if they were evil and sinful. If God is light and these things are darkness. And so what he's telling you is not only are these things kind of on the fence to be loved, but he says the love of these things is not even from God us that are children of God. What things does he list there? He says, uh, desires or cravings of the flesh. Now, in this category, most think that the, the, the number one thought that John had was probably sensual desires. What comes to a lot of our minds when we hear desires of the flesh or cravings of the flesh, right? Whenever I love that sort of thing so much that that's what I'm pursuing, especially when they're things uh, outside of the realm that God has given them to us, if they were uh, sensual desires that were that were taking place outside of marriage, if they're sensual desires that were taking place in a homosexual relationship or a polygamous relationship, all those things, he says, those aren't from God. Those things are evil. They're not to be loved. They're not to be pursued. But you could add other things here, other things that our flesh craves that are sinful, that make us feel good, right? Drugs and things that we take to make our body feel good that are outside of right a doctor's care or prescription. I'm not talking about that, but whenever we pursue drinking alcohol or taking some drugs that we get, not because we need them health-wise, but just because we want to feel good. Cravings of the flesh. Overeating to comfort ourselves could be a craving of the flesh that we see in the Bible as sinful being lazy and not caring for our bodies because we think that that's what makes us feel good. It's what we want to do. Not caring for the temple the Lord has given us. All these things could fit under this category. He says those things aren't from God. You should not love them. You should not pursue them. The next thing he says, desires of the eyes. Desires of the eyes brings again 
to our mind the thought of lust. So you can do lots of things with that. The immediately one, the immediate one that would come to most of our minds would be pornography. Jesus teaches against lust and lustful desires directly in Matthew chapter five. But it can go further than that. It can be things that we pursue because we see our neighbor have it and we covet it. Our eyes make us want these things. Sinful desires. Says they're not from God. We should not love them. We should not want them. We should not take part in them. The last thing he says, pride of life. What does he mean? That's the pride of possessions. The word he uses for life here is, is possessions. So it's what we talked about a little bit ago. Whenever money or uh, status or specifically things like a house or a car, whenever these things make me think I'm better than other people. Whenever you say, who is that Kilpatrick? And I immediately think about the house that I live in or the car that I drive as who I am. I've lost my identity in Christ. When I love these things, he says that pride of possession, not taking pride in your possessions, but pridefully desiring possessions above Christ. John says that's not even from God. That's an evil, sinful desire that's been given to you as a temptation by Satan himself. So the second thing, he tells us there, first thing, all right, here's a reason. Here's a reason not to love the things of this world because they're not from God. The second one's shorter, verse 17. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Now, I'll give this to you in a real short one because I'm losing some of you. I want you to imagine this. You're here this morning for a sales pitch. I'm the salesman. I brought you all here, and I'm going to offer you an investment opportunity. Who's ready? <laughs> Brother Don, we had a couple hand raisers. Y'all ready? All right, so here, here you go. I want you to invest your life savings in a new endeavor that I have come up with. But I've done the projections. I've run the numbers. And in about three to four years, the whole business is going to flop and we're going to go under. Who's with me? Come on. Show me the money. John says, let me give you a good reason not to invest the love of your heart and the time that you have on this earth and earthly possessions. They're all passing away. He said, it's all temporary. Why would you take everything that you have and invest it in something that you know is going nowhere? You wouldn't. You just told me that you wouldn't. But with our life, we do. I have time, and how do I use my time? Not pursuing a greater knowledge of God through studying His Word. Not through understanding who God wants me to be by spending more time in prayer. I don't use my time by spending time teaching more people about Christ. I spend my time trying to be more popular on social media. I spend my time trying to have more toys, right? That's how we spend our time. And John says, it's worthless. It's all going to be gone soon. Again, I'm not telling you that we can't have nice things, but when the desire of our heart is only for these nice things, we have invested poorly the things that the Lord has given us. Finances and time and our talents and our abilities. If you're not using those things to serve the Lord, then you're not using them well. And you're investing in something that you are guaranteed is going to end, is going to be gone, 
and it's not going to be of any eternal use to you or anyone else. But whoever does the will of God abides forever. Brothers and sisters, I want to ask you this morning, have you made the distinction about your identity, about who you are? Are you a child of God, a servant of God, above everything else? If I say, who are you? What makes you who you are? Do you immediately start to think about where you've gone to school or what friends you have or what family name you have and the family stock you've come from? And that's, that's what makes me who I am. Or do you first think God left heaven and came to earth and lived a perfect life and died the most excruciating death that anyone has ever died, then came back to life? and went to heaven. And I've called on Him, and what makes me who I am is that I am righteous because God did all of that. That's what makes me who I am. Now, I am a Kilpatrick. Right? I'm a Kilpatrick from Neshoba County. I have been to these schools and to those schools. Amanda is my wife, and, and my kids are my kids. Those do help make up part of my identity, but they're not the number one thing. First and foremost, I'm a child of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Have you made that distinction in your mind? This is who I am. And if you took away all the rest of it, and I had a different last name, and I lived in a different place, from had gone to different schools, I would still be who I am in Jesus Christ. No one can ever take that away from me. And brothers and sisters, if you've made that distinction, I ask you this morning to take just a moment and think about what your life shows you love. I don't want you to do the Sunday school answer and just tell me what you love. I want you to look at your life and say, when I, if somebody looked at my life, what would they think that I love most of all? If they could see every bit of it. This is the Truman Show, right? And there are cameras everywhere, and they can see how you spend every minute of your day. Who would they think you love more? God and the things of Him or this world and the things of it. John tells us which one it should be for us as Christians. So I'm going to invite you to stand this morning. We're going to have a time of response. And if you need to know how you can have a new identity in Christ, I would love to talk to you about that. If you need to, to repent and ask the Lord to help you to refocus the way that you're investing your life, you can do that. Maybe this morning you just want to sing because you're joyful and excited that you're reminded that it's not about how everybody else sees you, but you are a child of God, and nobody else can change that. Maybe you just sing out of joy and excitement this morning. But I want you to respond however you feel the Lord's leading you to respond as Brother Shane leads us in a hymn of the